0: ella Hei, hei, Moshiachni, ve-hei, ve-hei, Yoshiyachni. Hei, al-kaini, hei, uvini, hei, mal-kaini, hei, Moshiachni, ve-hei, ve-hei, Yoshiyachni. Hei, al-kaini, hei, to i I'm not Go beside each. oy of a man sei the is say move let i shows peso loaim velatoi lo le manhoe
1: JM in the AM. It's one of the songs that has dominated Yehuda Green's Slichus over the last few years, Hashivenu, and uh, I think his Shemak the brand new one, is uh, going to play the same role tomorrow night, in my opinion, unless he's not doing it. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. Uh, Haneshamalach, Yehuda Green, uh, Yidl, <laughs> with his version. Shlomo Kalbach off of a special done. With Israeli television about 50 years uh, no, it can't be 50 years ago. It must be like uh, maybe about 40 years ago, somewhere between 30 and 40, where they presented Ashkenazi Slichas on Saturday night of Slichas on TV. A young uh, Ben Sion Solomon in the background playing violin. Very cool. Uh, Shim Kramer had Kisho Shania, you heard Shainis done by Shimi Engel, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It's the final day of August 2018, believe it or not. I guess summer really is coming to an abrupt end. 20th day in the month of Elul, the year 5778, and Khaz of Shabbos Parshas Kisava with candle lighting time in New York at 7.09. We'll blow shofar later, Slichos, as we said, for everybody is tomorrow night and Sunday morning. The Sephardic community, of course, has already begun, <clears throat> and um, I take this opportunity to wish a mazel tov to Sarah Bidnik and Yitzi Siegel. Beautiful wedding last night up in New Square. It was really, really wonderful. The extended Bidnik and the Siegel families. We say Mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And I was especially helpful to uh, one of the women who came over to me last night and said that because of the uh, announcement of the uh, Hassan and Kala, of the uh, you know the wedding yesterday on the air, she remembered she had to come to the wedding. So... <laughs> We're really a public service, more than we ever thought, frankly. J.M. in the AM with the weekly update coming up. Malcolm Homeline will join us. It's Labor Day weekend. Doesn't matter. We've got the weekly update coming up. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, so he'll join us. Rabbi Uden, of course, and much, much more. Keep it here as we get closer and closer to the start of the Selichas season at J.M. in the AM.
0: As <laughs> I'm
2: i be emuno, be emuno shleimo, oy bevias ha moshiach, beviyas ha moshiach ani
0: Das tat Mame in die junge Jodden, seinen Hossen und Kalle geworden, seinen Seherein zum Reben, sein Broch ist zu nehmen. Und otte die Broche, otte Rebe Seh gegeben. Mach lichtig und wahre Marum sich, herum sich lichtig und wahre. Wetter Rewe, der bei euch machen lichtig, lichtig und wahre warum war sich. Arumsi lichtig en warm, met de reepjes delvaag lichtig, lichtig en warm van Wahr im lichtig und warm. Bitte lewesch <sweak> Lichtig und warm Lichtig und warm im lichtig und warm. der Lichtig und warm De De Mal um sie, Liftigo, Varemaia.
2: I'm <laughs> Tangidli geta es <laughs> tangidli im yes na ira ta leila kulo. leila khulo tangidli geta es na da bo
0: I shesha ye. so. Rock. Lo. Ich bin in mir this is our Lord to do, Lord. Be free, you are Be the assuring my sin.
1: J- oh, there you go. JM and the AM. Shimon Kramer with um with uh Aisha Thank you, Shim Kramer. Hope Israel's treating you nicely. Uh Yaakov Shweki with both Aish and Kol Shama. You heard the uh, the Miami boys choir with Shalom. Shabbos done by Schleimi Gertner, Benny Friedman's Lichtig and Varem. Yoni Z Ani Animamen and Sandy Shmueli with Hadon Alom. Uh, we were uh, supposed to have our news from Israel, but unfortunately a technical problem at the top of the hour, so I apologize for that. Uh, eight minutes after 7 o'clock, and this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. round the world, the web, and on the Nachomsingle Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. Do I sound a little tired? Got home late, late, late last night because the Bidniks and Siegels were celebrating for good reason. Sarah Bidnik and Yitzi Siegel are a recently married couple. We say mazal Tov from all of us here at JM Was really a an, an amazing celebration. Just an amazing celebration. A lot of listeners there last night. Yeah. A lot of people tuning in on a daily basis, and I thank you all for that. Uh, feel free to comment on our app. Go to the NSN Alchum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. 75 degrees. Afternoon showers today with a high temperature of 77. Showers late tonight, low 69. Tomorrow morning clouds. Afternoon sun, a high temperature of 80. Yerushalayim at 85. We're at 75 now in New York City. As we say, good morning on a Friday, of Shabbos. Candle lighting 709 in the New York area. 709, a lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Chaim David Burson at JM in the AM.
3: Oh, <their> yes, <their> Behold, behold, Oh, Behold, shim elukekho es es na Oh, I'm to say
0: i
4: Everyone wants to know where I wrote this niggin'. In the coziest place in the world. Where there's a fire of truth burning at all times. The only place in the world that you could plug yourself in. And recharge and recharge and recharge. I remember it was during Ella One Night Seder. I was learning in Silver Spring. I think it was a Thursday night. And I opened up the sneaker.
1: How amazing, huh? How amazing is that selection? Eitan Katz live with Shamalach. I don't know if that was done uh, the night of Slichus. Excuse me. Uh, but no matter when it was done, it was just amazing. Eitan Katz, Haneshamalach. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be singing that song early in Slichus tomorrow night as uh, we get ready for the brand new year and start the Slichus season in the Ashkenazi community Sunday morning. But as, of course, uh, many do tomorrow night. And uh, very late tomorrow night, in some cases, a uh, will begin. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kisava with candlelighting time at 7.09. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos here at JMN. Mazel tov again to Sara and Yitzi. The Bidnik and Siegel families know how to celebrate, and it was great being there last night and celebrating with them. It's really amazing. Yerid Chaim David Burson with Echad Hashem. Eish Israel was done by Shimon Kramer. Yaakov Shweki in there with and Shama and Eish um, candle lighting, as I said, 709 in New York. Yeah, it's getting earlier. And uh, make sure you know when things start where you are. Be aware of the fact that we're early now and that you don't have in our area, you know, till till 8 o'clock to get somewhere or do something. Again, candle lighting, 709 in New York. So be extra careful with uh, with that. By the way, Labor Day weekend is coming up. We're here. We're here. We will uh, present uh, everything you'd expect today, including a brand new edition of Table for Two coming up right after JM and the AM. Naomi Nachman is going to um, preside over the brand new edition of Table for Two. Um, That's happening at 9 a.m. this morning. I have. Give me a second. Uh, Yeah, there it is. Her guest today. The team behind kosher.com, Kim Kassar and Rivy Landsman, plus Gabe Geller from Royal Wines, who joined us yesterday during the live lunch. He'll be on, uh, he'll be on with Naomi at uh, 9 o'clock this morning. So, 9 until 10 for table for two. At 10 o'clock, Ked then presents the Erev uh, Shabbat show with Mark Zamek with plenty about the um, upcoming Slichos. At 1 p.m., Harry Rothenberg with the uh, video blog that we air every Friday at 1 o'clock, this time about Parsha's Kisovo. Then it's our amazing Arab Shabbos music mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's happening every single Friday. Uh, tomorrow night, Saturday Night Segal with Avrami. On Sunday morning, Matis Winegas continues the amazing and incredible streak of live shows for JM Sunday. JM Sunday starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday right here on the Nachum Segal Network. And then Monday, Labor Day, I'm here. Monday, Labor Day, we're doing our regular JMN. I'm not sure if there'll be any other quote-unquote original programming Monday morning. Uh, We usually have a good block of programming on Monday morning between 9 and noon. Uh, May not be able to do that on Labor Day. Obviously, we'll update you on Monday, but I will be here, please God, and uh, be uh, speaking to you on Monday morning um, on Labor Day itself here at JMN. Make sure to be tuned in. A lot of people have a regular day Monday. A lot of schools are in session. A lot of uh, people have work on Monday. So there's plenty going on. A lot happening. If you have an opportunity, make sure to tune in and be part of this incredible radio experience. JM in the AM. We'll do this one in honor of last night's Hassan and Kala from Shal Shalis at JM in the AM.
0: Sasa'in v'simcha, sasa'in v'simcha, chasan v'kalla, kihi l'arina, di tzav v'chetah, avav v'achva, v'shalom v'reiyus, asherba. Sasa in v'simcha, kha sa in wisim kha kha sa rina Shallow wa you. VaKesh <laughs> am the we Shalom, atir bala, kam ve simcha uve tzahala, tochem une am segula, am segula, ve shalom balan cambe simkha oet sahala tohemune amse Hello
1: J.M. in the A.M. Boi Kala from Micha Gamerman. Before that you heard the uh, Simcha Liner selection Ribono. Asher was done by Shal Shalas. Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Malcolm Homeline is coming up next. Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly update around the corner. Keep it here at J.M. in the A.M. Comes off of uh, Shire Pinchas, Volume Number Three. Friday morning, hour of Shabbos again. Candle lighting in New York, seven oh nine, a little earlier than we've been used to. So uh, be careful out there as you get closer and closer and closer to Shabbos, no matter where you are around the world. Mazel tov again to uh, Sara Bidnik and uh, Yitzi Siegel. Got married last night. Big celebration up in New Square, New York, and uh, was uh, really an amazing. Um, An amazing wedding. We uh, wish Mazal Tov to the uh, extended Bidnik and Siegel families from all of us here at JM in the AM. Don't forget our friends at com. They continue, as you would suspect, to find amazing stories from around the Jewish world. They feature every single day. That's why we recommend it every day. You go to com and check out their news feed and the different elements that they are uh, highlighting uh, through their daily uh, news feed. It's uh, onlysimples.com, simple as that. And of course, jewishworldreview.com, opportunity to go ahead and print out before Shabbos uh, hundreds, if not thousands of articles regarding Israel and the Jewish world. Can't recommend it highly enough. Go to jewishworldreview.com. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday Erev of Shabbos. Mr. Homeline, welcome back to JM and the AM.
5: Thank you. Always good to be with you. Appreciate that. Can I give you my review? And muzzle to your oh. brother and the whole family.
1: Thank you very much. It was nice seeing you at a big wedding celebration this week. Yes. You and I are really hitting the social circuit, aren't we?
5: <laughs> we certainly are. <laughs> I don't know how hard you're hitting it, but yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, should I I give you my review of uh, Operation Finale? Should I give you my review of the most recent adaptation of the Eichmann capture story in Argentina? Yes, sir. So awful. Such an awful movie. And you know why? I mean, there are a lot of reasons why it's a total waste of time as far as I'm concerned. But the thing that concerns me the most is they, and you've seen this a million times, Malcolm, especially today in 2018, it seems to be the tendency. uh, They try to humanize Eichmann. They spend an hour... You know, basically, you know, showing how how normal a human being he was, so to speak, and how he interacts with his his, his Israeli captors. And I guess this is the trend. We saw the same thing. Remember the Munich movie that came out? Right. Uh, excuse me, the, uh, not Munich, the Entebbe movie that came know, out. The too Entebbe, too. Same thing, yeah. right? Same thing where they have to humanize and show the point of view, so to speak, of those who are, uh, you know, taking the hostages and creating terror throughout the entire world. But I guess you'd agree that this is the trend these days, right?
5: Uh, generally, we we tend to treat the uh, perpetrators and try to find some uh, golden lining. And, and to uh, in the process, it's not only humanizing them; we know they're human, but it it denies the the beast in them and the uh, horrific, the true horrific nature of uh, the the evil that they represent. And it and it's pervasive. It's not something you know that they were nice to their dogs. You know, it's not an evidence that they weren't murderous and and uh, barbaric.
1: No question about it. Um, the, uh, the story, the actual spy thriller, and I saw this through the exhibit at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, of what the Israelis had to do every step of the way in order to make this a successful mission to bring him to Israel, was simply remarkable. Unfortunately, it gets very, very little attention in the movie, that part of it, but you'd agree, am I right, that it's one of the greatest, you know, coordinated efforts probably in spy history?
5: It was well. The, the original films, the early films of it, I think portray it more accurately, and the complexity of what uh, of of the plans and the speed with which they had to do it. Remember, right. they didn't have a lot of time. It's not something they could plan for months, and yet were able to pull off with uh, the flying in under night, not being detected, have a duplicate of the car. Uh, all of the little details make it all the more impressive.
1: Passports to be prepared, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, on to some other things that are happening. Um, John McCain passed away, as we know. We heard this news <clears throat> right after Shabbos. Many people have asked me to ask you uh, to evaluate his record vis-a-vis Israel.
5: Uh, he was a great friend of Israel. He had visited Israel numerous times. He was um, certainly somebody who was very involved in foreign affairs, saw the world in uh mm-hmm. real terms and respected the Israeli IDF, had close ties with people there. Uh I know that Prime um, Minister Netanyahu spoke to him as uh, of him as a dear friend. He spoke to the conference of presidents and I had the privilege of meeting him numerous times. Uh so he was a it's a great law school and he was a great man.
1: All right. Some of the news of the day. Um, I was under the impression from what we discussed last week that uh, that not only would there be funding cut off to the Palestinians, but we may see an actual real change regarding UNRWA at the UN. Uh, what, what's the situation right now?
5: Well, the, I think the U.S., according to reports, and they've been varying, so no, no certainty. But the um, press to try to change the definition of refugees, etc., it, it seems that we're not going to do it. But we are going to probably withdraw uh, funding from um, uh, UNRWA, which would prove that the, the that the United States recognizes that the fight isn't one just over territory. It's about it's an existential fight. That what they're doing and with the existence of UNRWA is based on a assumption that they can destroy Israel. That the Um, UNRWA itself was created to to deal with Palestinian refugees. The United States gives every year, I think, $350 million towards their $1.2 billion budget. But we know that the United States uh, slashed that in half, and now we're talking about a, a total cut. And the question is how you transfer some of the services, the essential services. But the studies have shown, including State Department, that the real number of refugees is about 30,000, though they talk of, of numbers up to 9 million. The PA does. I think UNRWA recognizes 5 million. They have 30,000 people working in the UNRWA infrastructure, spending uh, all of this money to service what in any other place in the world would be this the minimum population of 30,000. And providing for their needs but not their great-grandchildren and the the the, I think it is a unique circumstance in the world where where they are included you know in this uh, that every generation is included in the ongoing uh, numbers but I think that the cuts will go beyond that that we'll see the PA cut off uh, virtually uh, and the completely and and as they said, people in the administration said, you know, we get nothing in return for it doesn't advance any American interest. That the, um, uh, and that I saw Nikki Haley said in, in, in remarks this week that the right of return to Israel should be taken off the table and that UNRWA uh, sh- um, will have to be reformed before the United States can look back at it and and start dealing accurately with the, number of uh, of refugees, but more than that saying that he the p a works against the United states uh, undermines efforts at peace both in Gaza and in uh in and overall middle east peace, and at the same time they have their hand out taking our money so I think this and you have the Taylor force Act you have other things that have been also will, will impact um the, this funding and Abbas th- doesn't care about what happens to his people Abbas cares about what happens to him, and as long as he can protect his kleptocracy, remain in power, uh, it seems that uh, he, he doesn't even make the slightest gesture to try and ameliorate the, these criticisms.
1: So the cut of the $200 million in Palestinian aid is uh, is not UNRWA-related, or it is UNRWA-related? No, it's beyond UNRWA. That's beyond it. So mm-hmm. so Abbas is losing a lot of money this week. I mean, if, you, if you're saying his most important interest is self-interest, he's losing a big, big uh, chunk of change.
5: Yes, and the the difference now is that there's nobody to make it up. He used to be able to turn right. to the Saudis, to the others. The only ones who are putting money, Qatar, which is doing it in coordination with Israel for relief work in, in uh, Gaza. Jordan doesn't do any of that? They don't Jordan get... does not, but they have a big refugee population in their own borders. And the, the interesting enough that you raised Jordan, because Jordan announced that they're going to hold a fundraiser for UNRWA in this coming week, I think. And the, um, well, I uh, guess
1: I would be on condition that, that they wouldn't cut any aid. That they wouldn't cut any funding, rather, right? Would that be, or, or would that be only if they would go ahead and, and cut the funding?
5: This is just to compensate for the right. cut and funding. To make Although, up, to make up the funding. Jordan itself is, right. is a recipient of a lot of aid from us, and uh, the money and money does go to, to help sustain the refugee quote refugee population in, right. in Jordan, which is today maybe two-thirds of the population, because they are all Palestinians. All right. And so this is a, 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 raising Jordan is a very complicated issue in this regard. Right.
1: Um, the U.S. peace plan that we've been hearing about now for months, um, and it seems that every time there is some type of significant date, in this case the U.N. meeting, I guess, at the end of September, uh, there's an announcement that we can expect this peace plan to be revealed you know, momentarily, so to speak. Uh, do you think that in reality this will be released in the next couple of weeks?
5: Well, from all the comments that have been made, obviously I'm not part of the, the decision making process, but I don't believe, and it's been pretty clearly stated that it will not be at the General Assembly. And if the elections are called right after Sukkot by the Prime Minister or shortly thereafter, I believe it will be put on hold until the elections because it's going to be very hard to discuss and negotiate a deal if you're under the gun of a, a, a pending election. Right. So my sense is that uh, that will not be forthcoming no, soon.
1: Nothing specifically happened this week to indicate that we're heading toward a new election, right?
5: Well, you have another, you have further talk of indictments against the members of the Prime Minister's family. Right. Um, these are additional pressures that are coming to bear. But, uh, well, nothing would happen now because once the Knesset is out of session, right. uh, he, I don't think he will even he call elections. He has to wait till they or he will wait till they reconvene in October.
1: And the theory is, the more pressure from the indictments, the more likely an early election, right? That's the theory.
5: That would be a theory. On <laughs> the other hand, there are others say that you know they double down right in the face of an election.
1: Right. That's interesting. I uh, I would think it's that way, frankly. But I've been reading a lot about the about the first theory. That that's the way it would go. Um, so so this plan is not going to be on the table or in discussion or released to the public before this UN session at the end of September.
5: Well, I won't say it won't be in discussion. I'm sure that the people involved will have discussions, but I don't think that it will be revealed. And they've done a terrific job in keeping it, the content really confidential and, and secret beyond just in the hands of a few people, which I think is the way a deal like this has to be handled. And it's rare in American Israeli and other politics that that uh, things remain secret right. but so far it has And uh, i think that while there will be discussions and you know the Palestinians are talking about bringing up issues against Israel uh, as they are you know they in they um, they're going to the court in the ICC against Israel now but they head the G77 group which is the group of 77 supposedly non-aligned it's in Economic Development Group in theory, but in fact they could politicize it. And here you have a non-state, uh, non-member, officially member of the UN leading the G77, and I'm sure they're going to try and take advantage of that and exploit it to uh, do stuff at the um, at the upcoming General Assembly session. And uh, of course the the UNRWA and the few, the New Council on Human Rights and the many other things that are going on, which will, I think, all be on the agenda at the time.
1: It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web, MalcolmSiegel.com, on the MalcolmSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Yeah, it's Labor Day weekend. Nonetheless, we've got the weekly update. Malcolm Honline is with us, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. The headline says, New Images Show Iranian Surface-to-Surface Missile Facility in Syria, tell me about this revelation.
5: Uh, this is very significant because this is um, a surface-to-surface air missiles uh, production facilities, as you said, and it's uh, near the. It's uh, in the northwestern section sector of uh, Syria. The building itself looks like the Parchin facility, which people will remember because it was part of the Iranian nuclear uh, facility. But it, and it's linked. Which is, and Parchin was used also for manufacture of ballistic missiles. Um, this is in an area called Wadi Jahanan, and it's, um, it's, it's right adjacent to a Russian S-400 anti-aircraft installation. So remember, this is the very advanced anti-aircraft system, air defense system that Russia installed in Syria, and therefore it limits Israel or someone else's ability uh, to strike it without endangering the uh the, in, without hitting uh, uh, Russian soldiers or the Russian uh installation uh, as opposed to the facility which Israel hit nearby in Mayop you remember the missile production facility in a place where um chemical weapons w- were produced also missiles and that leading si- a Syrian scientist on, on in these areas was uh, was killed and the defense minister Khatami the, uh, of Iran and not only pledged to rebuild this, but to rebuild all of the Iranian infrastructure, and supposedly they signed some sort of a, a deal between them. But there's, this is going to be a very busy weekend and stuff to watch, because this facility obviously is going to be in the target. But uh, more than that, you also have the Russians holding major drills in the Mediterranean off the coast of Syria. You have the Egyptians in the United States holding joint war games. Uh and i think the the um, there's a lot of people somebody described it as a perfect storm i don't think that that is accurate or that there we will see uh something explode but we also have uh, within syria the growing tension over idlib and whether the talks with the turks maybe they'll make a deal uh, of some kind um, to to and will enable them to continue to work against the kurds and maybe they'll pull out of the idlib because the uh, Syrians, together with their allies, are mounting a major assault. There are about ten thousand uh, of the opposition forces uh, uh, still there. So um, it, it is. There is a lot going on. That, the the
1: that, Syrian facility will be a target for whom?
5: Israel. Oh, that's I was thinking. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can't say that they ever did a thing like this because they haven't told us that they have, but.
1: Well, are these images from Israeli intelligence? Where did these images come from, the discovery of this plant? The uh, image that
5: uh, satellites, but Israel released the information.
1: Oh, so they may have known about this for for weeks or months at this point.
5: No, actually I think that the the, the uh, resurgence of construction on the site was more recent than that. and by the way, even the UN has raised fears about the introduction of chemical weapons, and if these facilities are being used also for chemical weapons production, that will and and they maybe they they want to use it in uh, the Idlib battle as they've used it elsewhere. And, and as long as that, very little price for the violation of their commitments and for this uh, these outrageous war crimes. There's no reason not to believe they won't use them again.
1: And as long as those words keep being bandied about, it gives Israel more of a of 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 world support to go and eliminate
5: it. The more people- everybody wants to see Israel do the dirty work, but nobody wants to back them when they do it. Right. Yeah, I got that.
1: And and when you mentioned the Egyptian U.S. drills, war games, you called them. What's that about?
5: Um, well, the U.S. Egyptian is. Um, uh, they haven't had them for a while between the two, but this is, is very important. By the way, also, Iranian naval drills in the Persian Gulf
6: mm. using
5: missile fire and other things. They, they've kept it pretty low-key, but it's the first time in three years that they've had these kind of exercises with hundreds of those uh, fast boats and other things involved. So the, the Russian uh, drill is perhaps a statement. It's a show of force. Uh, As you know, there are a lot of things going on inside and and some of the statements from the administration uh, about uh, the developments in in Syria and where the United States stands and and assuring that they're not going to pull out until Iran is out, which we hope will be the case. Um, So there's increasing pressure from all sides. There's going to be a a meeting between Erdogan, uh, Rouhani of Iran, and uh, Putin. In next week, which will be a very important meeting, I believe, uh, in dealing with the future of the region. But it will also deal with the sanctions issues. You know, Iran, it, it, Turkey is feeling the sanctions spike there. Currency continues to drop precipitously. There is more and more uh, unrest amongst some of the population, although Erdogan has a strong base of support, as opposed to what I think is happening in Iran. And now this is conjecture on my part, but based upon reading what what has been happening there, number one, their oil exports are dropping much faster than anyone had predicted. The crude shipments, I think, dropped to 1.5 million barrels a day in September from 2.3 million in June and expect to go down to 800,000 barrels in exports to Europe and India are more than cut in half, and to China, 25%. A lot of this has to do with that they can't get tankers, uh, don't want to ship this stuff. And all this uh, means as, as further, bad as And this the... is in advance of the November 4th sanctions on oil and, and oil production in Iran. In addition, Rouhani appeared before the modulus, the parliament, and was questioned harshly and they said that they were unsatisfied with the answers, so, and it may be referred to the judiciary. Uh, quite a number of the ministers have been dismissed by the Iranian parliament. The, on, uh, on, during this week, the minister of economic affairs and finance, Karbassian um, was uh, um, uh, was removed, voted, they removed him from office. And earlier, they the minister of labor and the minister, the head of the central bank, and other people have been replaced. And I think Khomeini is going to target Rouhani. Uh, and they're saying, look, it's not the sanctions from America that's doing this. It's the corruption inside Iran. And we heard that echoed in some of the comments in the in the majlis in the parliament in Iran, which to me looks like somebody, t- uh, you know, it's a setup against, uh, well, deserved perhaps against Rouhani. But the um, uh it, it looks to me like that there's uh, important political maneuverings going on that we should be focusing on. Also, you know how the uh, major, uh, like Google and others, have uh, targeted accounts linked to Iran, which they have uh, traced to Iran. I think 39 video channels just on YouTube and 13 accounts on Google uh, networking. They're found to be Iranian state broadcasting uh, linked. As sites to spread disinformation, and the and they're linked to the Iran Republic of Iran Broadcasting, which has been under U.S. sanctions since uh, 2013. A huge number of pages from Twitter, Facebook, all of these things, which shows that they have a, a big political influence operation that they are trying to, you know, again undermine and and uh, influence, and of course. Israel is a major target of a lot of that uh, propaganda.
1: What happens? All those social media sites alert the American authorities when something like that occurs, when when something becomes obvious to them.
5: Or people. Uh, well, first of all, the U.S. officials monitor it, but also others who come across these the sites. But the problem is that there are probably thousands of them, so mm-hmm. even if we terminate some, there are always going to be more and more um, that they uh, bring up. But it takes time, and as long as we keep closing them down. And that they have to renew their, direct their efforts just at, at renewing these things, then um, it keeps them from being able to spread all their hatred. And, on the, oil- and, and the fact that they're, they're now more alert to it, I think, will be helpful.
1: And on the oil situation you described in Iran, so the point, I mean, one of the points basically is that uh, as bad as the economy has been there, now, now it's even worse. But it seems when they need any money for military exercise or for facilities like this in Syria, they're able to find
5: the money. I'm not sure that's true anymore. In theory, you're right, but uh, it it doesn't take much to be able to, you know, send some money to and, and missiles to um, Gaza, let's say. Mm-hmm. But they've cut back, and we see that they've cut back in uh, um, Lebanon with Hezbollah as well. And this is, uh, uh, I think, a reflection in that they don't have the unlimited funds for the adventurism that they normally engage in this is a priority the people of iran pay the price for it because their needs are not being met because the money is being diverted to to these uh to these activities uh, but they do not have the kind of largesse that they had before but remember we gave them 150 billion dollars right. and uh that cash lasts a long time if it's diverted for this purpose
1: um, and and the, and the the people of iran i I guess because of the uh the nature of the government and how it operates even if they wanted to protest more demonstrate more work toward a revolution because i don't know how they're surviving in the in an economy like this uh, they're simply i assume not able to at this point
5: i i don't understand that either the the problem with the water the fact that uh, so much of the country is under drought and, and it's not getting clean water they're not um, exporting which means that their jobs are being lost at a, a ever increasing rate unemployment Is very high, and I think what I reported about what's going on the Majlis is a reflection that they're trying to divert attention, and that Rouhani could well be the uh, carbon in all this. You know, they attacked Zarif. Even the Khamenei, the supreme leader, attacked Zarif and said it was a mistake to let him negotiate the deal. So the. Uh, clearly there's a lot of rising tension within the system and I think if the United States has to take advantage of that and if only the Europeans would be going along along with it it would be uh, it's it's a time when you could make or help bring about change in Iran whether the regime change or policy change whatever but certainly maybe a change in behavior.
1: All right we got to talk about the north and the south Uh, is is there a new IDF chief of staff uh, to to be named soon or maybe you already, you know, know who's been chosen behind the scenes.
5: I do not know. I know some of the speculation, but uh, uh, I, I don't know. There is going to be a new uh, chief of staff. I understand there's some differences of views about it, about who will get it, but uh, there will be a new one soon, and uh, they will, they'll be facing whoever it is will face uh, serious challenges. I think we have to credit uh, General Eisenkot for having done a, a really good job and uh, he's earned the respect both of his uh, people, American officials and others.
1: And does that, does a new IDF chief of staff change policy or affect change in policy in in areas like the North and South, or essentially the Prime Minister of Israel is still making these decisions?
5: No, I think the IDF and the IDF uh, brass, it's not just the chief of staff, although he does have significant influence and he can change the direction you know they emphasize different things they um, they have different views or assessments and um, you know we have a new approach now that Israel is building up special units on missiles based on missile technology but missiles that can hit anywhere in the Middle East within 10 meters of the site wow uh which is nothing and um, and will be reflected in future uh, warfare well it won't have to be used But it is a major shift in terms of the approach and and the thinking, and and they constantly have to reevaluate because you have to take into account the capacities and capabilities of the opponents that they face and what are likely to be the the kind of conflicts that that they will face. And the United States has been in close consultation with Israel about it, about to see what the needs are, what equipment, and have been generous in, in the response to it just as I don't know if you saw that the Israeli finance minister, Kahlon, met with the Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin, and they set up a joint action team on the san- enforcement of economic sanctions against Iran. And they see it as a threat to the free world and to Israel. Uh, but uh, this will be an important effort to, to um, help tighten the sanctions by them working together.
1: Interesting. All right, back to the north and south and the north side, I guess this, uh, this new uh, revelation about the missile facility in Syria obviously concerns Israel, to say the least. Anything else we should know in terms of what's happening on the Israeli-Syrian border?
5: The, the, well, the, I think that the, uh, the question for Israel is, of course, keeping Iranian forces and others away, uh, making sure that they don't surreptitiously bring in more advanced equipment, uh, it's, a, it's a major challenge when you have tens of thousands of these Iranian militia imported from uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, elsewhere, to to fight there, and, and many of them putting on Syrian army uniforms to to uh, be able to infiltrate the army units and therefore be given access closer than what Iranian or uh, Iranian-backed forces uh, would be given to the Israeli border so it's a it is a major challenge and there's always attempts that um thank God Israel has been very effective in uh trying to address but it's um it, there, there was no major event over the last week right. that um and indicates I, and i guess the
1: only major event down south is the debate whether there's still a ceasefire or not because uh i was under the impression that in fact there was one that's you know in effect but the the enemy is constantly stating that, uh, you know, as far as they're concerned, uh, they're not quite sure that this ceasefire or whatever quiet uh, there is now in, in the South is going to remain. Uh, is it, in fact, that tenuous?
5: Well first of all, the agreement hasn't been reached, and, the, um, and it's been put a little bit on hold, uh, and Abbas is obviously not cooperating and not helping it. The Egyptians have invested a lot of time uh, Basque talks about keeping the ground the that doesn't help when you're trying to calm things down the um, so uh, while there is some sort of uh, I would say the calm which they constantly refer to uh, the agreement itself is not and and the question is will it be a long term agreement will it involve return of, of uh, the prisoners and all that which they say is a separate track and that right now they're just dealing with the uh, ending the violence and which is important, and especially for the people living in the South who had a really terrible summer, and people should remember them and we should support them um, but you know first of all with with the the um with Hamas, you know what you 're dealing with, so long term agreements i don 't think have much meaning. I do think that they they are hurting Israel did a very effective job in the bombings and, uh over the summer and the people of of Gaza are hurting very much and are pressing their government because they know that they are, and and they're continuing, by the way, in the practices, trying to smuggle in cement for their things, trying to still build tunnels and do other uh, of the activities in which they're engaged. So it's not that Hamas has reformed or Hamas has become a peaceful ally or anything else. I think it's the pressure, the success of the attacks and that they need time, breeding time and time to try and rebuild. The talk is about how to make investments without benefiting Hamas, how you build up the infrastructure and, and the needs to, of, to meet the needs of the people who get water just a couple hours a day and electricity only a couple hours a day, which is uh, a prescription for continued violence.
1: Speaking of effecting calm, did you see the statement by the Jordanian uh, minister that if, he had, if they had the capability, they would bomb Haifa?
5: yeah he said and he said no, one day we will have the uh, that they will develop the military capacity that they will be able to bomb Haifa right. you know this is a lot of this is done for domestic consumption i 'm not excusing it, and i i don 't like it when others use that line, but you know they they he 's under a lot of pressure domestically the king, and sometimes these statements uh by others are just a play to the people don 't forget he has majority Palestinian population a lot of unrest there and Israel gives him gives them a lot of rope um and a lot of leeway because of the recognizing the situation but they all know very well that they're only there today because of Israel.
1: You think Nikki Haley is going to run for president in 2024?
5: 2024? Yeah. I don't know. I think she's done an amazing job at uh too long away. Isn't
1: it amazing every time she opens her mouth how incredibly she speaks about Israel and the United States, I should add.
5: Well, she's following a policy set by the administration, but she articulates it very strongly and very effectively. And I think um, it's certainly, uh, she's a heroine in the Jewish community and a lot of other uh, sectors. And whether she's setting herself up for a run, you know, there's a lot of speculation about it, but it's not good when you have a sitting president and a president who might run for re-election, to feel that you have somebody working for you who's already gunning for your job. All right.
1: Uh, finally, Jeremy Corbyn saw the article that the Dory Gold wrote about him and the resurgence of European anti-Semitism. Um, are there those in, in Great Britain who are taking strong stands against them, aside from the uh, Jewish groups and newspapers that decided last week that are coming out publicly uh, with statements about him?
5: First, all, I was hopeful, by the way you formulated, you said, finally, Corbyn, I thought maybe that was the end, but obviously <laughs> that is not the case, <laughs> and uh, quite the opposite. He is thriving over these the criticisms, and every day we find new revelations about about him, not only that he laid the at the um, at the graves of the Munich Massacre people, but so many other things, so many statements, anti-Israel, visiting the West Bank, going to, to, to meet with uh, terrorists. The, the record is so overwhelming. And he, what you are asking is exactly the right question. Where are the voices in labor? Tony Blair, all of the other former officials, where is the rebellion? You've heard from a few courageous people some of the sentiments against him. But it's nowhere near what, what it should be. And frankly, I hope that all of us who can see so clearly what is wrong in England. And in fact, I'm meeting with the leaders of the British Jewish community the, in a couple of days. They're coming here to talk about this and, uh, and other things, and we, we, but we follow it very closely because I believe that there are lessons for us in this. And it's a warning thing. And if we don't take this, watch there, because sometimes distance gives you clarity. But I'm assuming- it's happening here. And the latest polls show it, that we we see very disturbing trends in different parts of the political spectrum vis-a-vis Israel and anti-Semitism. The fact that you have candidates candidates who can espouse in America anti-Semitic sentiment, and they're not knocked off because of it. They're not elected, perhaps, because of it, but they're not defeated because of it. And I think you know we should keep the pressure on on British officials and whatever role we can play in support of our of the communities there, which have become more outspoken. All of them editorialized. There were some demonstrations, but you know the community is not that big. And and you saw that the Palestinians uh, said that that uh, Corbyn that you should continue, don't succumb to the pressures, don't change your definition of the, of Zionism, etc. And he said that, that um, something to the effect that no Brit could be a, a Zionist, uh, trying to, to divide the people and, and these old canards that, that he continues to come up with. And it's not impossible that he could be leading a government in, in Britain. So it's it's very significant on the two levels. One is what's happening in Britain itself and and what is being done to counter him, and second what are the lessons we learned? Because Britain is often the bellwethers. You remember 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I said that Britain is the model on what will BDS will be in America. Right. Remember, top down, not yep. bottom up, yep. which is what's happened, and it's continuing to happen, although we'll see what what happens when the campuses really uh, open up in the next uh, week or two, and the next days, right. and see how strong the BDS effort will be. We've already seen some manifestations of it. But I think in terms of the body politic, we have to look at what's happening in Europe overall, in the loss of the center, the extremism, the polarization, and too many signs of that here. And we have to start early. We should not have candidates who make it past the first day if they are anti-Semites and have a history. So communities, everybody has to be aware and, and expose uh, them to the, to the light of day. I think the American people reject extremists and, and bigots and racists, anti-Semites, uh, but they have to be educated about it and they have to be identified, and not when they're in a primary or win a primary, and then they'll face any opposition in a general election, are going to be shoo-ins to go into Congress in the new session, in the new uh, Congress.
1: All right, two quick things. Number one, uh, I hope everyone in the audience heard what I just heard, Malcolm Holmline telling us that what's happening in Britain is happening here as well. Keep that in mind. Number Two, I assume that that's going to be your message your, the, the bulk of your message uh, to the uh, British Jewish leadership you meet with this week is is to put pressure on people like Tony Blair and others they've got to they've got to really mobilize and 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 uh, and do what you described if they're going to make any progress on this at
5: all well I think the British leadership have been doing it i I, I think uh, I'm not saying that we will tell them what to do, we will talk about what we can do together, how if, we, if there are ways that we can help them, but more importantly for us to understand fully the phenomenon, how widespread, what, and again, because I believe we learn lessons from it, but also there are instances in which we can be a, a, of assistance to them, uh, and I think that uh, some of the leadership really has been bold and outspoken um, on it. Mm-hmm. The problem is that European jury, Bahlal generally, doesn't speak out they they don't confront, mostly because their numbers are smaller, and there isn't the traditions of lobbying that we have in the United States. It's really nice. a unique system here, which is why people should be taking advantage of it by registering, by voting, by making their voices heard. We have elections coming up, and municipal elections, and you have the primaries coming up now, which are important. Uh, there are a lot of elections where people's voices should be heard, and the um, uh, so... I think that we have a lot to learn from, from what's going on there and the warning signs that we have to communicate as well to our people.
7: No
1: question about it. All right. Uh, we will speak Bezrat Hashem next Friday. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Have a good Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here on JM in the AM. Uh, our ELOL Show chauffeur blowing. Did not take place in the 7 o'clock hour, so we'll do it now in the 8 o'clock hour and then move on to Rabbi Yudin. It's the month of Elul, our tradition to hear the shofar every Sunday through Friday in the month of Elul, except for Erev Rosh Hashanah. Here it is at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
6: Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow, we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisavo, according to the Chinuch, Pasha's Kisobo contains six mitzvos, three positive, and three restrictions. Wow, a lot is going on. First of all, this Motzah E Shabbos, the Ashkenazic world, begins the recitation of Slichos. Our Sephardic brothers have been saying Slichos, and we thank them profusely since Rosh Chodesh Elol. They do it from Rosh Chodesh Elul, because Moshe went up to receive the Luchos Shneos, the second set of tablets on Rosh Chodesh Elul. And he stayed on the mountain for 40 days, came down 40 days later, which is Yom Kippur. So these 40 days have a special significance to the Jewish people, and therefore they awaken early and recite Slichos early each morning, infusing into these days the very special character of appreciation of Hashem's closeness to Klal Yisrael. Minog Ashkenaz is to start minimally four days before Rosh Hashanah. This year, when Rosh Hashanah is on, a Sunday night and we don't have four days before Rosh Hashanah in the week of Rosh Hashanah we start on the previous Mozoi Shabbos we always start on a Motzoi Shabbos so that there is uniformity and understanding throughout the Jewish world why four days so the rabbis tell us based upon psukim a in Parshas Bo, and B, in Parshas Pinchas, that when a person brought a korban, the korban had to be inspected for four days prior to its being offered to see if there is a mum, a blemish, the four days were, it didn't have to be a long inspection, but if you missed a blemish, on the first day, second day, third day, you would pick it up by the fourth day. Similarly, interestingly, in conjunction with the karbonos musaf of each of the holidays, as found in Parshas Pinchas, all of the holidays, without exception, have the term and you are to bring the korban. There's only one exception to that rule, and that is regarding Rosh Hashanah. In chapter 29, Pasuk 2, the Torah says, You are to make an ola. How do you make an ola? But our rabbis say you are literally to look upon yourself and make yourself into that korban. And therefore, as a korban requires that uh, inspection, we too have the introspection of uh, slichos, of literally examining our deeds and uh, coming before HaKadosh Barucho. Now, I can only tell you that the last of the six mitzvot found in this week's parasha is 611, and that is to l'oleches, to go, ulhidamos Hashem to emulate the ways of God, as the Torah says, v'holachto bidrochov, to walk in His ways. And therefore, what is the primary Recitation of Slichos as found in the Gemara, Rosh Hashanah, Yud Zion Amid Be'ez, The Gemara there says to Rabbi Yochanan that Hashem said to Moshe when he gave him the Yud Gimum Midos, the 13 attributes, after the sin and forgiving for the sin of the golden calf, Hashem Hashem, Keorachum Vachanon, so. Rabbi Yochanan teaches that Hashem says to Moshe and the Jewish people, When you're going to be in trouble, this shall be the formula that you are to Yahasul Fanai Kaseder You are literally to perform this uh, recitation. Now, what does that mean? There is no such thing as a magic formula within Yahadus. There's no Abdul Elif Abdolos, Abracadabra. What is there? When we say the Yudge Mumidos, what we're saying is Hashem, I want to be to the best of my ability like you, as you are, Rachum Vachanun. <coughs> <clears throat> I want to be Rachum as you are as you are slow to anger I want to be and therefore I'm making a commitment and I'm saying to Hashem please don't judge me for the way I've been but judge me please God in the way I will be based upon my commitment based upon my recitation and taking upon myself these Yud-Gimel Midos. These 13 Midos are the essence of Slichos. Now, let's get to our exciting parsha of Kisavu. There is so much here. And first of all, understand that this Shabbos we fulfill the Takonas Ezra as found at the end of the Gemara Megillah that we are to read the brachos and klolos, the tochocha, as found in the second half of Parshas Kisavu, tichle shona v'kilo seho, and may it be that the year, with all its challenges, should, please God, come to an end, and Tochil shona, and the next year, please God, should come with bircho now, secondly, what you have at the beginning of Parshas Kisavo is the mitzvah of Likros, Alabi Kurim. There is a biblical mitzvah for the Jewish farmer to bring his first fruits, five fruits as found in Parshas Re'ei, and two grains, namely. The barley and the wheat, wheat barley, and then the Torah goes on to enumerate in chapter eight, pasuk eight, the um, other five fruits: gevain to grapes, figs, pomegranates, zeishemen, olives, and vash, dates. These five fruits and two grains. Are brought to the base hamigdash. The mitzvah of bringing them to the base hamigdash is found in Parshas Mishpatim. In this week's parsha, there is the recitation that comes with the bringing, and in this recitation, the Jew says to Hakadosh Baruch Hu that I have, uh, I thank you, Hashem for taking us out of Egypt. I thank you, Hashem, for uh, bringing us to this land. I thank you, Hashem, for giving us, and uh, giving me, specifically, this um, first fruit. Right? The exact Lushel that he says is very powerful. V'yato. And now, he nehevesi. I have brought Reishis pri literally the first of the fruit of the land, that you have given me. The Jew recognizes and realizes that even though he is the farmer and he's done everything that he could to water and to do all the preparations so that the fruit and produce should grow, ultimately, it's the recognition that it all comes from him. And when the omarita when he begins, and interestingly, he begins even by um, noting the earliest of Jewish history in terms of our grandfather Yaakov, and how he had to come down to Mitzrayim, and the rest, as we say, quote, is history, so there are no less than five different psukim that the Jew recites. Basically, all he's saying is, thank you for the fruit. However, once a Jew says thank you to Hashem, he can't limit it just to, and Omarta a love says Rashi she'encha kafoy Foitova. I am not an ingrate. I appreciate all which we have done, and the this is such a very important and powerful idea that the Jew recognizes Hakadosh Baruch Hu, but he doesn't only recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the larger, grandeur things. Baralukim, Es Look at this incredible, vast world. But in reality, he recognizes Hashem in the small things, in the fruit that Hashem gives us. And I think this is such an appropriate idea for where we find ourselves now in Chodesh Elul. The Balatanya in his Likute Torah on Parshas Re'eh describes Chodesh Elul as Melech Basodeh, literally, that all year long the king is in his palace and the king is on his throne. And for man to get to the king, you've got to make an appointment. You have to try to, who do you know, how do you know, etc., to get there. However, in Elul, he is there in the Sada, he's out in the field. He's there for man to approach him. And this is such a powerful idea. What are we doing in the beginning of this week's parsha? We're taking the fruit and produce of the Sadeh, and with that, we are forming that close relationship with Hashem. We do this all year long with Birkas Hanenin, with the brachos that we recite before we benefit from the different foods. Think about it. You're about to have a cup of coffee. So, Baruch Atah, blessed are you, Sha'akol Nyeh that everything comes in thanks to you and your willingness, your speech, your having brought this into being. But that's not all we say. Amazing, you're about to drink the cup of coffee, and what do you say? Not just Baruch atah, but you say, Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. By drinking a cup of coffee, the Jew has the ability and obligation and privilege, listen carefully now him, to acknowledge that he is king of the universe. It's not just, once again, in the majestic, it is in that very powerful every day. And this is Bikurim, taking it from the Sadeh, and this is in contrast to what we're going to be doing on Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, Mirz Hashem, we're going to be um, reciting various Piyutim, all in praise of Hashem, but amazing, many, many of these Piyutim are ooh, way beyond us to give us that incredible sense of awe and reverence, And so I have open in front of me, and this is going to sound familiar to us who will be reminded of the Piyu Tim. And what do we say on Rosh Hashanah? Hashem Melech, Hashem Maloch, Hashem Yimloch Li Va'ed. We acknowledge His kingship. And Ko Shin'anei Shachak, Omer Madirim. All heavenly angels give expression to your might. Now don't get me wrong, most of us are not that familiar with the heavenly angels. But the idea is that this is Rosh Hashanah. We acknowledge that he is the absolute king. And now we are in Elul. And now if we can't bring the Bikurim, but you can make a bracha today on the fruit that you're going to eat. You can make a bracha today on the... Cake that you're going to eat. When you say the Birchas Nenin and you come to the words Melech Olam, stop for just one moment and realize, wow, that you don't have a chauffeur in your hand, but just as the chauffeur coronates Hashem, ta-da, that's correct. So we too, with our Birchas ne'enin, shakol ne'ebit bore pri adama, bore pri all these different brachos, and a tonight, bore pri hagaphen, that you're going to recite in conjunction with your Kiddush, melech Olam. Wow, what an understanding and appreciation of melech Pasada, his availability to us. I pray that we're going to. Take advantage of what Mietz Hashem, we will have again the recitation of Bikurim. But until we do that, the opportunity of using the Birchas um, Hanenin to appreciate Melachasada brings us that much more closer and excited to the forthcoming Rosh Hashanah. Shabbat Shalom to all.
1: J.M. in the A.M. There you go. the uh, done by the one and only. A ten Cats. We had his, uh, his Lamancha before, which is so amazing when it comes to Sleechus. Sleechus tomorrow night, the Ashkenazi community. It all starts Sunday morning, but officially or unofficially, many people gather tomorrow night to start Sleechus. As we lead up to the brand new year of 5779 which will be um, a week from Sunday night, right? Yeah, a week from Sunday night. Brand new year. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Erev Shabbos Parshishki Savo. Candle lighting 7.09 in the New York area. It's earlier than we're used to, so be careful. 7.09 is your candle lighting time on this uh, Erev Shabbos 7.09. Uh, table for two is coming up. It's brand new. Naomi Nachman is next. Featuring uh, the uh, people behind the scenes at kosher.com, including Kim Kassar and Revy Landsman, Plus, Gabe Geller of Royal Wine is going to be joining her as well. He was with us yesterday during the live lunch. He's with Naomi today today between 9 and 10 on the table for two. 10 o'clock, it's the Air of Shabba show with Mark Zomik. Brought to you by KEDEM at 1 p.m. Harry Rothenberg with the video blog of uh, Parshus Kisovo. Um, Right after that, it's our our incredible Arab Shabbos music mix Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami Matis hosts JM Sunday again live He's amazing And that's going to be this coming Sunday Between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time So make sure to be uh, tuned in for that And uh, what else do I need to know? Or what else do I need to remind everybody? Oh, and then Monday, Labor Day, we're here Who can believe it? We're going to be here on Labor Day? Yes, we are. (laughs) So make sure to be tuned in and join us at that point here at JM in the AM. Moshe Yes, next at JM in the AM.
8: If I seem a little distant with a twinkle in my eye, there's a very special reason you will find Today is only Tuesday, and the kids learn olive bays. And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind. Yes, I walk against the many as they're groping in the night. And I've tried to share the Torah in a rhyme. And the boys are now bar mitzvah, and Wednesday night is here. And you know that I got shabbos on my mind. And Thursday sees a chuppah, and the weather is getting cold. And the Torah scroll is turning, and we are growing old. And the jokers and the scoffers They're running out of time And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind It's a Friday morning sunrise No time to mess around I'm the old man who dove in right on time And your prayers get more sincere As old friends pass away And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind And there is no deception Cause he knows just who you are A hunger to be holy While feeling very far and the jokers and the scoffers They're running out of time And you know that I got chubbis Yeah, you know I got chubbis on my mind It's a Friday evening sunset No time to mess around I'm the old man who dovin' right on time And your prayers get more sincere when old friends pass away. And you know that I got Chubbis. Yeah, you know I got Chubbis. You know I got Chubbis on my mind.
1: we go jm J- in the am Avo El amela perfect song for this time of year at shlomo cats brand new with that single here at jm in the am nice job on that i must say say the least um a jam them friday morning wishing everybody a wonderful job this great weekend labor day we're here remember starting at 6 a.m make sure to be, be tuned in Matis Host Jam Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in. All day long, amazing programming, including a brand-new edition of Table for Two, Naomi Nachman's brand-new Next with the uh, folks behind the scenes of kosher.com and Gabe Geller from Royal Wine. They'll all be in. And um, all through the day, the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by Kedem, the Arab Shabbos music mix, brought to you by Kedem, and uh, Harry Rothenberg with Parshas Kisavo at 1 p.m. Eastern Time this afternoon. Make sure to be listening right here at the Nachum Seagull Network. Time to say good Shabbos from JM and the AM.
3: The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's
0: gone by. Become a memory.
3: So throw
5: say good job
0: cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the holy one say a special blessing
3: on a cup
0: that's filled with wine man and his
3: creator it's a very special sign
0: Your candles will
3: be burning,
0: they'll fill your home with light
3: Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the night So throw away your hammer,
0: there's nothing left to do Because all your work is done. Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator is a very special sign. done gonna spend the day together with the holy one say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine our
1: brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world and the web, at on the Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week here at JMNAM. Thanks so much for being part of it. Labor Day is Monday. We're here, and then Tuesday, things really rev up. Once Labor Day is over, come on. Uh tomorrow night. Enjoy. Um Candle lighting in New York, seven oh nine. Keep it in mind, seven oh nine. Have a fabulous job, this wonderful weekend. <clears throat> Until Monday morning, now Siegel reminding you. Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.